That's outstanding, like a farmer in his field. Well, if that isn't some juicy content. Can something be both solid and juicy at the same time? I'm going to pull some fast gotcha questions. Carry on, James. Carry on. You know what, Craig? That's a good call. Just because we get around Talking about my generation Things they do look awful Talking about my generation All right, welcome casties to episode 88 of Coffee with Craig and James James Anderson, news editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures Happy to be here And more importantly, we're here with my colleague and friend, the voice of telecom, the man with the golden pipes, Mr. Big Money, as we call him, Craig Galbraith, the executive editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures. Craig, how are you? <laughs> well, if you were trying to do an imitation of me uh, opening this podcast, it was actually uh actually pretty good but i gotta tell you when i said you could pick the song uh off the bat here i didn't really think you were going to steal my whole opening there i I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with that i mean i thought it was heavily implied but my bad man imitation it's the, the highest form of flattery right that's the, that's the saying well you know i gotta point out that i did what 85 podcasts with kevin and he did the intro like twice Oh. And, and here you are in your third, and you're already taken over for me. I mean, Gosh. I, so I got to say, I'm not sure if I'm more impressed by, you know, you going out and getting after it there, or to be a little surprised that you would be so bold. I don't know. They do say where I come from that there's a very fine line between ingenuity and insubordination. And, you know, I think as cast hosts, you know, we're always trying to find that line. That's what innovation's all about. That's very true. Very true. So I, I liked your uh, selection for the opening song there, My Generation, uh, one of my favorites. It, it actually goes back uh, before both of our generations. That's true. It, it's a beautiful little common ground for us. It's definitely a song before my time, but you know, my old man, he would play the Who a lot. I was a drummer uh, and I really admired Keith Moon, thought he was a cool guy. Mm. So we, we can come together on some of these things, despite our differences. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if we're so different. You know, we've got a lot of things in common from our love of sports to, of course, all things channel. And uh, besides, you know, I do consider myself a bit of an expert on all things millennial, you know, with you constantly harping about the topic. Well, that may be true, Craig. <laughs> but why don't we put your expertise... To the test! Man, uh, you made a game out of this, didn't you? I did indeed, Craig. When in Rome, make a game on the podcast that you're hosting. Are you down for it? Well, it does sound like a lot of fun, but first, got to get to the work first before you get to the play. And we've got a little event coming up that we need to talk about. Does that sound good? That's fine. That's totally fair. You want me to start with this first session we want to talk about? Uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you? We should set it up by, by reminding folks that Channel Partners Virtual is just around the corner, just a little more than a month away here, March 2nd through the 4th. And uh, yeah, we've got some great sessions uh, lined up, just as we would for a live event. Of course, we're going to have that live event coming at you from Las Vegas in November, but we've got to, uh, we've got to do this one first, and it's, it features a lot of good stuff. So, so hit them with uh, one of your favorite sessions. Here's one sesh for you. Become a master of marketing. Let's face it, marketing isn't a strength for a lot of partner businesses, particularly the smaller ones. So we've lined up some marketing experts in the channel who will talk about how marketing has evolved during COVID-19. There's some important info there and, and tips you can apply to your marketing efforts. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I also wanted to promote the uh, series of IoT tracks that we're just starting to develop. So you're going to see more information on this coming soon. Uh, they cover the latest technology, systems for safely returning to work, automatic temperature checks, for instance. We've also got some on video surveillance. Really a lot of cool stuff. And uh, most importantly, the business opportunity as it exists right now for partners. Uh, still plenty of time to get in on the ground floor. Uh, and we'll have much more detail on all of that to come in the next few weeks leading up to the show. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, it feels like now is sort of the time to truly realize all this IoT stuff we've been talking about over the years. Another topic uh, is diversity and inclusion, particularly in the area of racial justice. That's something Mm -hmm. we've talked about a lot last year, particularly for us here at Channel Partners and Channel Futures with the launch of our Allies of the Channel Council. And we've asked the team from 5.9 to explain how they created a diversity and inclusion program at their company in five easy steps. Yeah, that's going to be really great. Uh, Speaking of the ACC, we'd love you to join our effort to promote diversity and inclusion in the channel. We will offer up a link for more information on the landing page of this podcast. Also, we've not coincidentally lined up a guest on this podcast to talk about his session at the show, talking about Eric Simpson, founder and chief strategist at ericsimpson.com. He'll preview his talk on developing a business plan for 2021, really an incredibly important step every partner business should be taking this year. That's fantastic stuff, Craig. But I do remember, you know, with all this awesome content that we're talking about and previewing, I'm reflecting back on my introduction and realizing I never got an answer from you on how you're doing. How are you, Craig? Oh, so that was real, that how are you? Wasn't just mocking me? Entirely sincere. (laughs) Uh, it's been good. You know, It's it's been a good last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I guess the highlight here living in Arizona, so we had a big winter storm roll through. Uh, lots of rain, but up where I am, a little higher than downtown Phoenix, we actually got some snow. We actually got like an inch of snow the other day, and then uh, that was followed up by a little more snow uh, in the morning, which didn't really stick. But uh, it's been a little crazy. It's kind of that once every 10 or 20 years of winter storm that comes through. Uh, but yeah, everything else is going well. Been a busy start to the year, and uh, that's uh, that's the way we like it. Uh, how about you? That's good to hear. I miss you all in Arizona. I'm up here in Chicago land, and we got our first winter storm warning. My, my roommate shoveled the driveway a couple of hours ago, but it is already filled with snow. Uh, otherwise, it's good. You know, I'm working from home. I got nowhere to be, so mm-hmm. it's not a problem. I'm wearing a coat in the basement right now. It's... I find myself layering up and layering up. I feel like I'm resembling my mom quite quite a lot. It's sort of her thing. <laughs> but you know what? Life is good. The family's good. The roommates are good. The girlfriend's good. Um, you know, for now, I really don't see how things could get much better. Yeah, aside from maybe the pandemic uh, going away, but uh, that's uh, that's another story. But you know what could be better, Mr. Anderson. That is the sort of fantastic segue I was looking for. Nice. We're talking about your company's business plan. That's right. Time to welcome in our first guest. All right, James. uh, Very happy to welcome into the coffee house Eric Simpson from ericsimpson.com, MSP expert and uh, all around good guy. Eric, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, Craig. How are you? Doing well. Glad to have you on the show. I I was just thinking about it since uh, you've got the ericsimpson.com domain. I was trying to put it together if I could do a a craiggalbraith.com, but then I figured out all I'd talk about probably is alternative rock and fantasy football. So I probably wouldn't get many people coming to it. You have a whole different, unique audience. You know, Craig, you're you're a special one. Don't let anyone ever tell you that your interests are boring. Okay. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Well, Eric, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, really looking forward. To, big reason we've got you on the show is because you've got a presentation uh, session coming up at Channel Partners Virtual that our audience is going to be uh, clamoring for, and we wanted to give them a little preview of that today. Uh, It's all about developing a business plan and uh, why now is the time or is actually past time. So uh, I thought we'd start off by asking you, 2020 was such a wild year for the channel and everywhere for that matter. Uh, What are some of the challenges and opportunities out there for partners in 2021 in particular uh, MSPs? Excellent. Hey, and thanks for inviting me on, uh, Craig and James. And yes, uh, you know, 2021 was quite the roller coaster. Uh, in the industry, you know, not simply on the partner side, but also on the vendor and the distributor side where, you know, we went through this period of kind of reacting to the pandemic. So kind of, you know, business as usual was interrupted. And all of a sudden, you know, we had to team up together with our vendors as providers to respond to a an unprecedented event in our recent history and and really help our customers transition to more of that work from home, remote work support model. 
And, you know, at the beginning of all this, everyone figured, well, you know, this will, we didn't know how bad it was, right? No one yeah. could predict, but no one thought we would certainly still be talking about this, you know, in 2021, as it were. So I think everyone expected us to kind of, you know, run its course a little bit and we'd get back to normal. Well, that certainly didn't happen. So our strategies and plans that we had to build and grow our businesses in 2020 were interrupted. And then we went through this firefighting phase. And then through that, the good news is, you know, the better prepared providers were actually able to respond more quickly to their clients' needs and actually grew their revenues. We saw a lot of hardware uh, purchasing, licensing purchases. We saw a lot of security. We saw a lot of cloud migration be super hyper accelerated as a result of the pandemic. So those business owners and clients that were a little hesitant to really, you know, dive into the cloud, they were forced to move rather quickly. And that brought with it additional revenue opportunities, but also additional challenges for providers. So while we had a group of providers uh, skating to where the puck's going to be, as it were, we still had a, a bunch of us kind of skating to where the puck is. And so there was challenges as well. So how do you transition? How do you respond? How do you now deliver services and adjust your terms of service to adhere to CDC protocols and things like that? When do you go on site? And when you are on site, how do you comport yourself and get your clients to understand that you're going to implement social distancing and mask up and glove up and sanitize before and after you touch things and all that. So, and I'm really proud of the industry at large, you know, our vendor and distributor partners really came to bear to help providers, programs to help them continue to deliver services to their clients. And, and so we started to, to see a little bit of, okay, now that we've adjusted to that, how do we now move forward to deliver business uh, in a more consistent and strategic manner now that we've kind of addressed the fire and now we know that, you know, this may be the way it is for a while. So, you know, our business plans last year, you know, were interrupted. I'm not sure that everyone had a chance yet to, you know, revise and review their business plans for 2021, but that's what the session that I'll be delivering is all about is, is kind of looking at what we know and adjusting our expectations. So how do we adjust our marketing strategy? How do we adjust our revenue forecast? What are our sales goals and how do we adjust those sales goals? And how do we create a business plan that gives us the best opportunity for success with the information that we have, but that allows us to forecast some attainable results moving forward. That's solid stuff, Eric. Just to build off that, you know, your title is it's past time for a business plan. Why is it that some partners have been reluctant to or just simply haven't in the past developed a solid business plan? Well, I think that, it, you know, as we grow our operational maturity, right, as business owners, we get there. I think, you know, initially folks that have great strategists on their side or consultants or coaches, or maybe they've built businesses in the past, they understand that, you know, you've got to have a plan in order to execute against and measure performance to see if you're, you know, achieving success. And if you're not, you know, if there's some bottlenecks along the way, how do you adjust that to for improvement and things like that? I think a lot of business owners may not have had the opportunity or the guidance or been exposed to the value of documenting a plan, or maybe they documented a plan and it's, you know, five years old and uh, it hasn't been updated to adjust for changing market conditions and things like that. And, and let's be clear, you know, the pandemic isn't the reason to adjust and tweak your business plan, changing market conditions. Anytime that we move into a, a new year, a new, a new sales cycle of 12 months, a new business growth cycle, we should always be reviewing our performance and adjusting our strategy moving forward and documenting and implementing that strategy and informing our team. You know, this is that mission, vision, value stuff that is a core component of a business plan that says, here's how we did last year. Here are the things that we were challenged with. Here is how we're going to move forward in the new year and how we're going to overcome these challenges or adjust to changing market conditions. So I don't think that 
business owners or MSPs in general have been averse to creating a business plan. I think maybe, you know, just when you launch your business, I mean, it's all about, you know, reactive firefighting. You're trying to address the needs of your clients and it's hard to, what's the term? It's, it's hard to, to find time to fix the hole in the roof when you're just busy mopping the floor, right? So, <laughs> it, you know, you get to a point in your business maturity where you say, okay, there's never a great time to stop what you're doing and try to be strategic. So you've got to fit that in. But I think that comes organically, naturally, when folks kind of grow their business and say, huh, you know, how do I improve? How do I get to the next level? Well, business planning and some of these other uh, elements that allow you to understand what your organization stands for, what you represent, who is your target audience, who are your competitors, and how are you going to succeed in the current market uh, and win business against your competitors? And what are your marketing and sales strategies? And what are your financial goals? So I just think it's a it's kind of a you know a business growth uh, question more so than you know people being reluctant to develop. It's just kind of a okay, now I'm ready for that. You know, now that I've grown a little bit, I've made some mistakes. I certainly don't want to repeat that. And I want a structured plan that we can follow and measure our performance against. Well, and Eric, I think you hit it on the head too, talking a little bit about time constraints. I mean, channel partner business owners are are no different than a lot of the rest of us. We get into the day-to-day of what we're doing and, and the strategy. You really have to set that time aside to really get into that. And sometimes it's uh, the, the day-to-day stuff is is just what feels like needs to get done. It does take discipline. It takes discipline to carve out time, you know, to work on the business, as we say, rather than, you know, in the business and and have discipline not to be distracted by the whirlwind of noise that goes on and, uh, you know, and build a high performing team that allows you to replace yourself over time. Right. When we first start a business, you know, we're wearing a bunch of hats and Maybe for the first couple of years, a lot of the team is wearing a bunch of hats, but as we grow, it's more about finding the right folks on the team that want it, get it, and have the capacity to execute. And in the best case scenario, we want folks on our team that are smarter than we are, right? Because that just makes it a lot easier for us to be able to delegate and promote and create a succession strategy within the organization that allows the leadership to begin to you know, pass hats on to others and replace themselves and then allows them to focus more strategically. And I like to say, focus on the things that only they can do. So if we take a look at our staff and how we're tiering and staffing our companies, our intent is to make certain that we're allowing our team to focus the majority of their time on only the things that they can do rather than have multiple hats and things like that. Cause you know, nobody's great at everything, right? So we have to have some segmentation and specialization there and, and, you know, get away from that flat organizational model over time, you know, from a, when we first start our business, we may have five, six, seven, eight. I've worked with partners that have 15 people reporting directly to them. Well, we need a little bit of, you know, layering there. We need, we need another layer between, you know, everybody reporting to the, to the business owner or the leader and start breaking that out to, you know, maybe four or five reports to different folks. And then, allow you that time to be strategic and, and work these business plans. So let's connect the the discussion of a business plan with the conversation that a partner has with a customer. Of course, this year or any time, it, it's critical that the partner knows the customer. But this year, it really does seem like it's even more crucial. Can you maybe explain why you think that? I mean, ideally, what we'll end up with here in 2021 is, you know, a change in the makeup of maybe our customer bases or our client bases, right? There may be some clients that, you know, simply didn't make it. There may be some IT practices that are struggling. So, you know, as we evaluate our target audience, we've got to adjust how we rank them in terms of how much energy we expend. We always have these, you know, A clients, B clients, and C customers, right? I would expect, you know, that pyramid to start shrinking and more C customers to to go away naturally. But, you know, if we're a strategic business owner, we want to continue squeezing that pyramid so that we are seeking out A clients, right? And these A clients are the ones that are most, I'll call them technology strategic. I'll call them security strategic. And these are the folks that understand the value of investing 
in their technology and see their technology spend or security spend as providing them a competitive advantage in their markets, right? So we're going to seek out those technology strategic clients. We will accept technology or, or security dependent clients. And the dependent group may not see their technology spend quite as strategically as the first group, but their companies and organizations depend so heavily on technology that they're forced to invest in it. And if we do our jobs right, becoming more strategic and more consultative with our clients and less reactive, right, and tactical, we can help those technology-dependent clients transform into technology-strategic clients over time by delivering regular strategic technology meetings like QBRs or maybe even more often uh, by delivering VCIO services and things like that. These higher value services that distinguish and differentiate us from our competitors. So we want to spend the majority of our time cultivating those A and B client relationships. And over time, uh, we don't want to attract any more C customers. In fact, we want to replace those over time with more of these A and B type clients. Now, the landscape is completely changed from how do we deliver marketing and sales meetings and things like that. And I've spent a lot of time in 2020 training partners how to deliver sales meetings and sales qualifying meetings and QBRs virtually. So leveraging the platforms that we have at hand that more and more of their clients you know, have been forced to use. And I always say that you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, maybe a lot of these clients weren't used to platforms like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and and other platforms that are out there that are in high demand now. But if they have kids in school, they've been forced to learn, uh, you know, the pros and cons of these platforms. So the guidance is, you know, learn how to use the platform, uh, learn how to use the technology. Uh, don't make the sales calls and the sales meetings or the QBRs about the technology, right? Make sure that you understand your platform and it doesn't feel like you're figuring it out the first time when you're having these uh, video conference meetings with uh, your clients and their teams, right? That should, it's like watching a movie that has a lot of special effects, right? When the special effects are awesome and great, you're in the story, right? You're not thinking about the movie. Think, you know, Jurassic Park, right? You're like, wow, dinosaurs roam the earth, right? All of a sudden. But you've also seen a movie that the special effects are so bad that it pulls you out of the story. You're like, man, that looks horrible. And then you're, you're, you're out of the story. You're out of the, the experience is bad, right? We want to make sure that we understand the technology. It's solid and we're delivering it so that, that our clients and prospects aren't thinking about or being distracted by it. So it's just like we're having a meeting with you face to face and we work those opportunities and QBR meetings uh, just as if we were sitting kneecap to kneecap. And I really like using these platforms in that manner because it allows us to share documents and information in a way, leverage the timing that we want to share them using desktop sharing and things like that. So if I'm doing a sales meeting, you know, the old way is, okay, so maybe I'm sliding an agreement over to a client or trying to get them to, you know, watch a PowerPoint slide presentation, either on the monitor or on my tablet or whatever. Well, guess what? I get to control all that now and build my story and reveal and take down information in order to build urgency and buying temperature and tell that story, I think, much more effectively when I control the platform. So there's a lot of benefits when, when we learn how to use these technologies correctly. But I think those are the kinds of things that we need to move toward and adopt to be successful in 2021 and, and become part and parcel of our new a business plan and marketing and sales strategy. That's great stuff, Eric. As we close here, um, I understand attendees are going to walk away with some collateral that they can use in their business. You bet. So uh, all the attendees that attend my session will receive my MSP business plan template. And this uh, contains all of the sections that you will need to uh, think about and complete in order to deliver a a simple to use but easy to follow strategy that documents your mission, vision, and values, the competitive landscape, your company overview, your marketing and sales strategy, and financial forecasting. So it makes it simple and easy for you to complete it and then put it into place and begin measuring performance and growth against it. Sounds like a great kickstart there, Eric, for these folks who attend your session, which is March 2nd at 12 10 p.m 
Eastern Time, Channel Partners Virtual, uh, coming up here in just a few weeks. Founder and Chief Strategist at ericsimpson.com. Eric Simpson, thanks so much for your time today. Look forward to your presentation coming up. Thanks very much, Craig and James. Talk to you guys soon. All right, James, really great stuff there from Eric. Uh, glad he's going to be doing that session coming up at Channel Partners Virtual, March 2nd through the 4th. Uh, if you want to check out Eric's website uh, before that, uh, ericsimpson.com. That's Eric with a C-K, E-R-I-C-K, Simpson.com. Yeah, it was just a, a solid overview of what it's like to run an MSP, some of those challenges and some of those changes that you experience as you mature. And I, I think people are going to get some value out of it. Yeah, certainly coming off the year that we've had. Uh, absolutely. So I know we teased it earlier, Craig, and we, we put it off a little bit, but I am chomping at the bits for this. It's time for... Generational Clash. The game where we pit Gen X against Gen Y in a battle of recollection. Here are the rules. Both of us will select three songs each of them having landed on the Billboard 100 during our freshman year of college. The millennial must guess the Xers, artists, and titles, and vice versa, getting a point for each the artist and the title. We'll go back and forth, one, then the other, then the <laughs> other, then the other, so on and so forth. Do we have a deal? Yeah, except you'll automatically win this, right? Because I have to look into the future. You haven't been to college yet, have you? Ah, uh, that's... <laughs> In some ways, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment, Craig. I, I appreciate that. But I, contrary to popular opinion, I am not in high school. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. So that sounds good. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting because the top 40 has changed quite a bit over the years. So when you were in college, uh, there probably just a few years ago wasn't uh, really any of the type of music I tend to listen to on the charts. Yet at the same time, uh, we're going back for me back before you were even born. So it, it, it might work out pretty even that way. It was conflicting for me to pick my song because I'm like, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I did not pick any Taylor Swift songs because I'm thinking that's that's like, you can't <laughs> avoid being on social media and hearing about her and hearing that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm trying to sort of find these niches. And oh. uh, you're yeah, trying to well, trick me, in other words. You're trying to make it hard while I was just going through and picking the songs that I actually remember hearing on the radio constantly in my day. Uh, well, I think you're gonna knock this one out of the park, Craig. So yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not worried about you. All right. Who wants well, to go? You well, want to go first? Uh, yes, I'm ready. All right, Craig. From the year 2012, here we go. I think I might have this one. Okie dokie. All right. The title's going to be tough. Do we get half a point for the artist and half a point for the title? Absolutely. Okay. I think that's the Lumineers. Is that right? Ding, ding, ding. And the song's called like, it's just called like Heyo or Hey Ho or something, right? Yeah. I'm going to count that for you. Yeah. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Not make any okay. sense, but yeah. Okay. All right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. All right. Ooh. All right. Give me a point. Pressure's on. A point for Craig. Oh, I'm I'm surprised. I surprised myself there. You know, if I don't get any more right, I'll, I'll be I'll still be happy. Okay. Are you ready? I think I am. I want to say Hall and Oates, but I don't want to offend him. Oh man! Oh, Craig! Oh, like oh. all these guys sound the same. Oh, this is gonna this is gonna reflect really poorly on me. But I'm gonna guess Def Leppard, and I'm gonna make up a title for this. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, set fire to my heart. <laughs> oh, where's the Family Feud buzzer sound? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's great. Would he, I, I'm thinking a hint wouldn't even help you on this. Would I'll, you like I'll to take it happily, yeah. Okay, the hint is Canadian rocker. Uh, well, it's probably Bud, 
<laughs> Bud Rockerson. Yeah, no, no. The correct answer to that was uh, Brian Adams. Oh, uh, perhaps he actually had a bigger hit uh, from that very same year, but I thought that would be a little too easy. The Robin Hood theme, everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> hey, man, I'm really glad you didn't do the really obvious one because I still wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm feeling pretty good about this contest uh, contest uh, so far. Yeah. So that was Can't Stop This Thing We Started. In hindsight, definitely not Def Leppard. Yeah, it, it was not, uh, not, not quite Def Leppard. What's up next? What you got? Do, all right, well, time for me to one up you. Okay. Here we go. Let's do it. Hmm. Where did he come up with this stuff? Am I that old? I gotta make something up. Maybe I can fool him. Ouch! I am uh, feeling just about like you did with the Brian. Uh, where to even start? Uh, it's going to probably sound more obvious maybe when I go into post and and have this uh, track laid down uh, with the bass and all that. But uh, I'm going to say that that was no. I really don't know. Uh, I'll guess Rihanna and I'll say Head in the Clouds. I, I really have no idea. It's a good guess, and I feel like of the artist and i feel like the song like you had some parallelism in your title but the artist is alicia keys and oh, the yes. title is girl on fire this girl is on fire this girl is on fire oh yeah see now that's the problem if we would have gotten to the uh to the chorus which of course would have spoiled it because we would have heard the title of the song, then I think I would have had that. <laughs> All right, epic fail by me. This might be the easiest of them, but uh, it's it still might not be easy for you. Are you ready for this? I am ready. All right, here we go. Epic intro, by the way. When, when was that song made? What year am I even dealing with? 1991? My goodness. Wow, this is getting worse. I think the song is more than words. Nice, very nice. Okay, you tricked me. I didn't think you were going to come up with that, so well done. Um, and, uh, this is not my guess, but who's the guy that made Roxy music? Uh, oh. So it's not Brian Ferry? As the late, great Alex Trebek would say, condescendingly yet affably when he heard a really bad answer, oh, no. It is not, no. Okay, well, that's that was the guy I, I was thinking of. Give you props. You got the title. It was oh. Extreme. Extreme is the name of the band. They Never had another hit uh, with Wholehearted that year. A couple of really big uh, songs. I don't think anybody ever really heard from them again. But, uh, you know, still. Well, this well, was a wholehearted effort by me. I, I'm it, it was. Pretend. It was half-hearted because you got oh. you got half of it right. So. Right, right. All right, so wh where are we here? We got uh, one point to half a point. Actually, you should go next because if I get the next one, then you won't be able to catch me. Does that make sense? So we'll, we'll do another one for you. Yeah, I appreciate the theatrics. That's, that's good. <laughs> All right, here we go. I want to say Eric Clapton, but I don't want to offend him. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> this is painful. This is really painful. I can't believe I suggested this game. I don't know what, what, what got into me. Um, uh, this, this song is titled, I Love the Way You Speak to Me in the Quiet. Obviously, that's the, that's the title. Obviously. And just think it would be insulting for me to say this was John Bon Jovi. I'm going to guess that it's Poison. Well, you know, you're on the right track there. You are wrong. Uh, let's let's make that clear first. But you are on the right track with those 80s bands because this this band was sort of when all the hair bands got kicked out by the grunge bands. I mean, this was like one of the last hits uh, of the hair band era. Oh, the last but love. Love was correct in the title. Oh, uh, is it fish? No, fish. No, <laughs> fish really doesn't qualify as a hair band. I, I have a feeling you're going to offend a lot of uh, a lot of fish fans in our audience. But no, this was "Love of a Lifetime" by Firehouse. Yeah, I'm telling you, those three songs, uh, freshman year of college, they were on the radio constantly. It was not, like the palsy of our time. And you're not necessarily fans of those songs either. You know, I am a Brian Adams fan. I think I have all of these in my library. I'm not, I mean, I'm not really a hairband guy, so Firehouse isn't, I'm not a huge fan, but that, that song kind of has nostalgia for me. So uh, from that standpoint, I, I do like it. Right on. Well, Craig, why don't you cap off your victory here with the third song? You've already got this sealed, but let's see if you can make this a, a blowout. Well, let's do it. That just sounds like somebody breathing. Yeah, you can be the greatest. You can be the best. You can be the King Kong banging on your chest. You can beat the world. You can beat the war. The guy go banging on his door You can throw your hands up You can beat the clock yeah. You can move a mountain You can break rocks You can be a master Don't wait for luck Dedicate yourself and you can find yourself Pause it right before that chorus <laughs> Well, you can take solace in the fact that this is going to wind up being a very close uh, game at one to half a point because uh, I don't have much here. So I kind of recognize the beat and I bet I would be able to do it if I heard this chord, the name of the song in the chorus. I'm going to go with, uh, I don't really have anybody. Would you, uh, would you like, like a hint, sir? Yeah, I, I'd love a hint. A hip hop artist features in this song. Yeah, I don't think that's much help any more than my clues were helpful. I'm going to say that was uh, B.O.B. doing the hip hop thing. Maybe DJ Khaled was involved. How's that? Hey, it's respectable. It's not correct, but it is respectable. And I have no I have no room to judge on you here. This is Hall of Fame featuring Will I Am by uh -huh. the script. Nice, yeah. yeah, script. My my buddy's uh, my buddy script. He, he's gonna call me up if that's even a he and not a you know a group of people. That's fair. Uh, I mean, they're they're basically like a copy of like every other white pop rock band, like a bunch of white dudes playing pop rock in like the 2010s. Oh, no. You know, they're, it's easy to get them confused with somebody else. All right, so uh, that was fun. That was fun stuff. Uh, I like that. Uh, you know, we should do something like that again uh, sometime. Although maybe we'll do a little better next time. Yeah, you know, maybe do movies, maybe do yeah. book synopses. I don't know. All kinds of media we can play there with. There you go. We'll read poetry to one another. <laughs> right. That'd be good. I like it. Probably we should get back, though, to why we're here, and that's to welcome great guests to the show. So uh, do you want to do the honors? It would be my pleasure. Next up, we're going to be talking to Matthew Toth. He's the founder and president of C3 Technology Advisors. That's a Michigan-based consultancy that has a great perspective on the channel, a great perspective on technology. And uh, I always love picking his brain to get a sense of what customers are looking for with their technology, what sort of outcomes that they're hoping that channel partners and vendors can supply them with. Yeah, let's do it. Well, everyone, I'd like you to welcome Matthew Toth, president of C3 Technology Advisors, to the show. Matthew, uh, how are you doing today? 
Doing okay. Keeping busy. How about yourself? It's a great day to be alive. It really is. <laughs> so Matthew, I've chatted with you before about the partner perspective of these technology trends that we talk about so much in the channel. And you have a really good perspective as someone who is talking to customers about technology. Could you tell us a little bit about what C3 does, what C3 is, and what the company has been up to in, in the last year? Yeah, absolutely. So our clients uh, come to us because they're looking to do research and analysis and ultimately procure technology. And they need to do it in a better and quicker manner than buying through your typical salespeople. So typically clients today are talking to a couple of salespeople and you know maybe they write an RFP in-house. If they don't, they just kind of pick a few vendors, maybe one vendor that's been cold calling me and one vendor that we've been doing business with a little while and then make a decision and hope for the best. And it isn't a really good data-driven approach. They're trying to save time and not have to evaluate the entire market. So, you know, working through C3 is a is a quicker way of working through the entire market and evaluating all the different technology options out there. And then getting the help of engineers and technology professionals like uh, like the team we've assembled out here. So, Matthew, one of the things I've heard from partners a lot, uh, especially in this past year with the pandemic and all, is it's been critical uh, to listen to the customer more than ever in terms of, of what their needs are. So in some of your conversations with customers, we certainly know some of the technologies that companies are looking for these days. But from your perspective, what's uh, particularly important out there? Obviously, with ever, uh, work from home being uh, a huge thing in 2020 and a huge thing just moving forward, UCAS is, is a big deal, you know, and it's not only because it's a technology thing, but this is a culture thing. There is no water cooler. There, there's no place for uh, people to, you know, rub elbows and see each other in the flesh. So I know that we're selling this as a technology solution, but oftentimes these organizations are seeing such a cultural benefit because they're able to to chat, they're able to do video on demand, they're able to do it from their computer, or able to do it from their cell phone. So, you know, there was a huge push for UCAS over the last 12 months. And I think that trend is going to continue for, for a while until you get to probably about 80 or so percent penetration. So UCAS just being a huge part, again, from a technology and culture perspective. The second one is security. Security in everything that we see. I mean, it's not just security, security like, oh, hey, do you have a managed firewall? It's security of individual solutions and how all those things come together. So I don't know if channel partners uh, in the past were asking all those questions about about uh, clients, but, but now clients are coming back and saying, is this solution secure? How does this integrate into the security solutions they have today? The agent community has to be ready for those questions because uh, if you're not getting them today, you're going to get them tomorrow. Beyond that, uh, I would say that our team has seen more with uh, Office 365 and just Teams adoption as well. That's just something that just absolutely blew up over the last year or so, and our team has really been taking a part of that. So yeah, those are three of the trends I'm seeing. I'm seeing more, but those are the three ones that come to mind. Well, and you mentioned 80%. I mean, as as much as we've heard about UCAS in the last year, we're a long, long way from that number. So there's there's still plenty of opportunity out there, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say today, if I had to take a guess, I would say we're probably still at probably about 20%. So there, there's a significantly long way to go. That's a really good perspective. Delving a little bit off of the, the UCAS topic into CCAS, could you talk about how Contact Center matured in 2020 in terms of the changing requirements and demands that customers have around Contact Center? Yeah. You know, the easy one that I'll take, and, and this was honestly kind of surprising by me, but a lot of clients came to us and just said, you know, we, we don't mind the CCAS or the Contact Center solution that we have today. But you know what? It just doesn't really work well from home. So it doesn't matter that we like it if it isn't something we can execute on and that works well for people working from, from wherever, then we need to look at another solution. 
So that's been a pretty big driver for us, helping clients uh, in figuring out a contact center, especially for folks that are that are working from home. The other one as well is what we're really seeing is there's one or two events that are happening that are driving this conversation. You know, a client is moving ERPs or CRMs, or there's some the some major mergers and acquisitions that are going on that are driving these, and they're taking a fresh look and saying, how do we want to treat our customers? What do we want that customer experience to look like? And I think one of the things that the channel sometimes has difficulty with is they want to turn this into a technology discussion, and it is not. It's not a technology discussion. It's a discussion about how you want to drive revenue, how you want to improve customer experiences, how you want to take care of customers. Can you meet them where they want to be met? If they want to meet in Facebook Messenger or if they want to chat or if they want to SMS. And by the way, I don't want to have to fully repeat everything that I say all the time. These aren't technology discussions. These are business discussions. We as the channel need to ensure that uh, we go down the right roads and you can get into the tech later, but just make sure that you're having a business discussion first. So anyway, but we're seeing a lot of these organizations that are making significant changes internally and it's prompting them to reevaluate how they take care of customers. And then, you know, from there, they end up evaluating uh, different kinds of context and our solutions. Well, and I can imagine that that sort of business-oriented discussion as opposed to technology is particularly applicable in terms of security as well. You talked about that before, just touching on it. What what are some of the discussions around security that you're having and, and how it ties into UCAS and some of these other technologies? The easiest one to bring up is, is SD-WAN. Um, you know, the, the channel knows a, a lot about uh, SD-WAN, but really only, only over the past... 12 to 18 months, I'd actually just say 12 months, that there's virtually no security, uh, or excuse me, SD-WAN conversation that's had without security. It's a range of, we need this SD-WAN solution to integrate into our existing platforms, or we need an entirely new product set, you know, something like SASE, where security is completely baked into what, uh, what that SD-WAN provider is already providing. From a UC perspective, I'll give you an interesting one. There's been so many breaches lately, and it's taking down organizations' data centers. You know, these bre- sometimes these you know difficult breaches are you know not only taking down production databases and such, but if they're taking down your servers that your UC sit on, all of a sudden you don't have a way to take phone calls. So oftentimes we're talking to clients and just saying, you know what? When you're putting UC out there, it's actually something you don't have to worry about securing, and you can still continue to take just just take phone calls and chats and you know that the whole UC experience when that is hosted externally outside of your domain. And that's not something that you yourself have to worry about securing, that you don't have to continue to worry about securing. That's great. Uh, You mentioned SD-WAN, and I'd be remiss if I did not uh, pick your brain about that a little bit. What do you make of all this acquisition in 2020? Um, You know, Fortinet, not Fortinet, but Fortinet getting so heavily into SD-WAN and now SASE and Palo Alto making that acquisition. What do you see about the convergence of security and networking that we saw in 2020. What's going on there? Honestly, I I see this as more about channels than anything else. You know, you see someone like Silver Peak who didn't have an exceptionally good channel being bought by an organization that did have a very good channel. You know, you saw CloudGenix get bought by Palo Alto and Palo Alto had a much bigger and broader channel community than than CloudGenix did. Um, there are certain organizations that had very good technology, but had a limited way of dis- of distributing it. So I think they decided to hook up with uh, you know these more legacy technology providers simply so that they could get their products further and wider than what they were able to do themselves. So. I think there's absolutely a conversation to be had about, you know, do SD-WAN and, you know, security belong to put together? They absolutely do. But at the end of the day, I don't think any of these uh, SD-WAN uh, providers had big enough channel presence and a large enough VAR community to be able to become the the big boy company that they wanted to become. So, you know, so they decided to get together because those other organizations had a better channel, but because this, you know, the security product fit well into uh, what their offering was. 
Great to see the merging of good technology and good channel programs with a bevy of partners out there. Matthew, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what you guys can do in 2021 as well. And as always, really great to get the partner perspective. Matthew, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Good stuff again from Maddie T. He always brings it with the technology, he makes it relevant. In my opinion, always a fun guy to have on a panel and a or in an interview. So glad we got to hear from him. Hope, hope uh, you, the casties, got some insight from that. And, you know, kudos to you, James. Uh, you, you're bringing it too here. You uh, promised us, I think it was on the last podcast or the one before that, that you were going to get more of the partner perspective on here. I think that's really important. So you've uh, you've had a couple really good ones here in the first couple of weeks. So, uh, so congrats. Thank you, my friend. Do I get a badge for that? No, you get squat. Okay. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so that just about wraps it up for us today. How do you feel it went, Craig? Well, besides you hijacking the intro, well, not bad. Not bad there, buddy. That's sort of validation that I crave. Does that mean that I get to do the outro as well? That is a negatory there, partner. Fair enough. I will give you kudos for that generational clash thing. Uh, as we said, we might have to do it again uh, in some form, you know, real soon. Oh, me likey. Me likey. My generation, you know, is an apropos start to this podcast, but what's up with this Coldplay song before I before I sign off here? Well, you know, consider the millennial experience, you know. It's 2011 or 2012, you've had a recession, you know, you're in college, mm. uh, getting ready for your life, you get out of school, and you're laden with student loans, and what do you really have going for you, you know? And so paradise is not an actuality for the millennial. It's an idea. Just as Obama for them signified an idea, the, the idea of hope. Millennials are, are a sad bunch, but they have hope. And we have wow. to dream. So paradise being the title is uh, a bit of a sarcastic millennial play here. In some ways, yes, a paradise in the sense of a mirage. Ah, similar to the Phil Collins song, Another Day in Paradise, taking it back to my generation. One might say, yeah, he was in Genesis, I know that. He was, he was indeed, and that's about where your musical knowledge uh, shuts up. Uh, <laughs> as you proved, and I did as well. All right, if you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, you can go to SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, type Channel Partners Online into the search bar. You can also find us on the flagship channelpartnersonline.com. Thanks so much for putting up with us again this time, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>